the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Getting on my leader right up to the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name's Mark Isles and I'm the chief football writer of the Bolton News. Deck the Connor Halls, silence the Zat Knights and DM Goodney King Wenselessless. It's Christmas and we've got headlines to get through. Coming up on episode 203, what's up? Rico's Red gives Ian Evan a big decision. It's a deal. Matheson and Carty signed to 2025. Switching up, have we discovered a tough sheet cheat? And which former Wanderer organises secret five-a-side games? All of this and a partridge in a pair of Franson. Roll the clip. And in fact, they got it with that one goal from uh, David Reeves in the 49th minute. Here the details is Bill Arthur. It was Leighton Orient who had the early chances in the game against Bolton. Chris Bart-Williams breaking through after only five minutes, but his shot was cleared. Then, from a free kick, another Orient opportunity. The ball cleared to the edge of the Bolton area, where Ricky Otto was waiting, and his shot just hit the foot of the post and ricocheted clear. Then, on the half-hour, Orient came again. This time it was Andy Sayer breaking through and beating the Bolton offside trap, but his shot went just wide of the target. Bolton survived all that and then took the lead early in the second half. It was Michael Brown with the run down the right-hand side. His cross found David Reeves on the far post and his shot just crept inside Paul Newell's near post. David Reeves scoring there for Wanderers in a 1-0 win against Leighton Orient back in August 1991. OK, time for a very quick reminder before the pod starts. Probably those looking for a cheap last-minute present for the Bolton Wanderers fan in their life. Why not grab a subscription to the Bolton News? For four quid, you can get four months of unlimited articles, podcasts, videos, features, all with a website that doesn't get clogged up with all those ads. No pop-ups, guarantee. Uh, we have some very big plans for the new year as well, so please don't miss out on a single thing. Go to theboltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe or follow the notes on this podcast. Okay, it's time to introduce the Bruno Ungrotto to my Mario Jardelf. It's Henry Hewitt. Henry, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. I'm glad you uh, you had me as Bruno Ungrotto instead of Mario Jardelf. I think... Uh, Let's let's be fair. Let, let's look at the two of us. There's only one Mario Jardelf. <laughs> hey, you know what? In the uh, in the new year, people might be able to make that. I mean, we may be teasing stuff here, but in the new year, people might be able to make that assumptions themselves. So they might be more visible. <laughs> yes, yes. The videos are coming. Um, but yes, uh, I mean, I, I don't need to ask how you are because we only spoke yesterday for the New Year special, which is coming up in, uh, in between Christmas and New Year, by the way. Um, I know you're doing quite well, but um, as far as as far as the the Wanderers public are concerned, um, there's a couple of disgruntled people out there. Obviously, back to back defeats for the first time in uh, just over 12 months, which it feels weird, I have to say, because we made the big build up for the Bristol Rovers games in, you know, it's a bad day at the office, they'll be back on it. I bumped into a guy on the way in to the ground and he was saying, 3 0, 4 0, absolutely, you don't even need to worry about it, blah, 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 blah. And I'm, I'm thinking, oh, I, I wish I was as confident as you. And 
you know, nothing's simple at Bolton. No, it isn't. Um, you know, I think I, 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 we all expected they would win, to be fair. And, um, you know, Bristol Rovers, I was impressed with them last year. I don't know what happens to Bristol Rovers. Because I was impressed with them last year. I thought they were quite good in the away game we played on the last game of the season. And, mm. and then on Saturday. And then you look at the table and they're always mid-table. I'm like, well, what's happened? <laughs> like, what do you do in the rest <laughs> of the games? Um but I was I was impressed with him, and I thought, you know what? They they've obviously watched the game against Portsmouth. They know how to stifle Bolton. Uh, they did it very well. The um, you know they they got the goal lead, mm. which was poor to concede from Bolton, and then from there they made it difficult. And you know obviously things helped with the sending off. But I just thought they they controlled the game very well, and I was I was actually impressed with them. So we were poor, of course we were, but I, I think. Sometimes you've got to take your hat off to the the opposition and say, well, actually, I thought they 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 controlled the game well, and mm. you know I know we got to two one, but we never really, apart from four or five corners in a row in the second half, we never really had a sustained amount of pressure. I thought anyway. They dealt with it all right with ten men. I mean, obviously the sending off was a was a big thing, and the mood around the cha- stadium changed with that substitution as well, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit. But I mean, the the problem was really that they carried through that kind of hangover from Portsmouth, or, or at least a good half a dozen players did, and and the performances, even even before the sending off, the performance was very sluggish. Possession wasn't great. It wasn't very crisp. They weren't. Bolton really and whereas they needed to find that kind of reset button they ended up pressing self-destruct instead and when Santos went you kind of knew what was coming it was going to be one of those you know one of those off days that that they tend to throw in in every once in a while and it becomes it becomes very very difficult to defend them at times when you when they throw in 45 minutes of football like that yeah it does um and uh, i know you tweeted at half time saying that literally everything that went wrong for bolton went wrong and that's how it felt in the yeah. game because uh, we've started the game quite well you know with the first five or ten minutes it was got a few chances uh or getting in behind and the passing well and you could tell that for me in the first five or ten minutes that they were up for the game um but you know that first goal it put you on the back foot and and you know yeah you give Bristol Rovers controlled the game well. They were also very good at, at doing the, the you know the the wasting time and mm. making it difficult for us to play. And the problem is when you're playing those teams, if they're doing it at nil nil, then at least you've got a draw in if you can't break them down. But as soon as they score, you're just giving them the opportunity to do it. And um, yeah, it, it was the Santos thing was the yeah it was the Santos he. he to be fair to Santos, he doesn't make many mistakes. Um, you know, you could probably count on one hand a mistake that he makes each season. Mm. Uh, and it was just that. And to be fair, in the game, as I saw, because I was sat at the other end of the ground, I actually was saying, walking out the ground, I was like, Santos should trust his own ability. Like, he'd be able to get back or Baxter would be able to save it, you know, from that far. It wasn't until I saw the replay that I realised that actually Baxter was out of his goal and he just had a tapping. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I know it was a, a split-second decision he had to make, but do you think that in those situations, are Bolton better 1-0 down with 11 men or 
sorry. Well, it was two nil down. No, yeah, two nil. Yeah, two nil down with eleven men, or one nil down with ten men. What do you think? No, I think I think you're right. I I think the minute you touch the player there, it, he's going to look for the foul because he knows that he's in. He knows that that's going to be a professional foul. So, I think with Santos. Yeah, I, I think maybe use your brain. It's easier said than done in the in the heat of the moment. A lot of people pointed the finger at Baxter for being where he was, but that's the trust they've got in Santos and the trust they've got in the way they play. He's going to come out and play as the second centre half in that in that scenario. Um, so that's going to happen again. I'm going to warn you that will happen again. I mean, you say earlier there that that Santos has. You know, one mistake a season. I think there's more than that because they put so much pressure on him as last man that anything he does, a bit like a goalkeeper, anything you do is going to get punished more often than not with a goal. So any little errors that he does, because he's always that last uh, method of defence, is going to cost a lot more than, say, if, you know, Josh Sheehan misplaced a pass in midfield or if if Dion Charles miscontrols the ball up front. It's not going to matter as much. So I do feel for Santos a little bit, you know, everything that could go wrong for him personally. He'd, he'd had a quite a sloppy start to the game, if I'm being honest. I, I don't think he's been at his imperious best for the last few games. Certainly the Yengi ta- tackle, or to a tussle rather, um, at, at Portsmouth probably didn't do him much good because he, he got uh, beaten up a little bit there, which is a real rarity for him. So maybe there's a little confidence thing there. I don't know, but um, it it was it it just puts a lot of pressure now on on the late Norian game, doesn't it? Yeah, that's a must win. Now we can't go into Christmas, you know, three defeats, and then if we do lose, you you will be, you know, I, I mean, I don't know who Peterborough and, and the rest of them play, but if we lose, mm. we will be, I'm guessing, more than three points off second, and we could even be about sixth. You know, and, and then you're looking at a difference. You know, even though, even though we still got more than half the season to go, you, you're looking kind of at a different season. Even though it can mm. change so quickly, but then in people's eyes, they'll people just assume that we're a million points off second, mm. and that'll you know. Um, it's momentum, isn't it? Ultimately, it's momentum. Yeah. When when the when the games are concertinaed as closely as they are at Christmas, it can go from one extreme to the other quite quickly. And and if you go into Christmas into that Boxing Day, in fact, I mean Lincoln away and Fleetwood away are, are pretty tricky fixtures. If you're coming onto the back of them with three straight defeats, then it feels like a very different time. It does, yeah. And uh, you know, I, I just think the yeah, I, it's. It's just a must. I mean, it's a must-win game anyway. When you're aiming to get in the top two, you yeah. have to win every, you know, every game. But you can't go three games losing in a row, especially two. Because after that Portsmouth game, everyone looked at the run of games we got: Bristol Rovers and Leighton Orient at home, and then okay, Lincoln and Fleetwood away are hard, but they're winnable. And then you've got your Burton and Cheltenham at home. And and I said, I said, I think we'll win all all six. You lose the first two, and it's not good. It's not good mm. at all. So. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a must-win game now. Here's one, because we've talked about January recruitment a fair bit and what may or may not happen. I think the general consensus is that unless there is a a really big uh, bid for one of Bolton's players, that it's unlikely to see a lot of change next month. There may be the odd peripheral bit, bit with the international um, lads going out, potentially. But realistically, I think we're saying, unless it's, let's say, a big bid for Dion Charles, etc., we can't see too many people coming in. But if Bolton were to 
to lose a couple of games between here and the end of the year. Does does that start to affect Bolton's thinking and, and maybe highlight deficiencies that didn't feel like they were there a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, that's a it's a good theory actually that um well theory, it's a good thought actually. Um Advert yeah, theory, it uh, makes me sound more intelligent. <laughs> um, Dr. Isles. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's because, you know, when we spoke about it on the podcast a few weeks ago, we said that there's, there's not many players that you would expect to leave. There's not many players, not many positions that you feel that Bolton are desperate to, mm. um, you know, to bring players in for. And it's more about keeping the status quo and keeping the, the players. Now, if they, if they, go into January on a few defeats, yeah, it just I think it opens everyone's eyes and suddenly those players that were um you know, I have there's a few players that I've hadn't had I've not had amazing seasons compared to what we used to. Mm. Um, you know, there's a few players in the midfield, there's maybe a few uh defenders that have had that and obviously we've we discussed the strikers. So if we're going into January winning and in the top two, so you know, no one really looks at that. Whereas if we're going in in sixth and a few points off second, suddenly then those positions are looking at right. Okay, do we need to? The the need to improve is there more. Mm-hmm. I'll be writing my half term report fairly soon for the newspaper. Actually, as they get up to the twenty three game mark, so uh, yes, there's a few of you um, who must do better. I think surprisingly after after a good good run now now that i think about it you're quite right i think there are a couple of players that are a little bit uh, below par um yeah not been a happy week but we've still had to write about it so uh we may as well segue into a segment called headlines Every week, Henry uh, picks out the very best headlines in the Bolton News. Um, you've not exactly been spoiled for choice this week, Henry, but you've done your best. I have, yeah. Uh, I noticed, and yeah, uh, we discussed it on the uh, the soon-to-be-released um, end-of-year special. Uh, no spoilers. Uh, we said, no spoilers, but we said after Carlisle, after a bad defeat, he closed ranks. It's very quiet at Bolton. I feel that it's mm. been the same... Uh, this week so hopefully we can get a response like we did to that one mm-hmm. um but we haven't mentioned it there a few people will be t- you know screaming at us going why haven't you mentioned that substitution <laughs> well here's the time where we're gonna do it dion charles is the sacrifice after mm-hmm. uh, santos got sent off um you could tell it was going to happen because if you remember against forest green I know that it was Charles that got sent off, but then mm. he went one up front, mm. uh, and I think it was Kachunga, and, and well, obviously it was, and um, yeah, I mean that. Then you put you're on the back foot. A lot of people were looking at that uh, substitution, and um, well, they didn't necessarily agree with it. I think the reaction when Charles came off the booze said that Bolton conceded straight after it. Everett came out after the game and defended his decision based on the second half performance. What do you think? Yeah, there's a couple of things. There's a couple of things. I actually spoke to Phil Brown at half time about this one, and he uh, came up with a very decent theory on it. Is that there was a couple of minutes after the sending off where Bolton had just dropped into four at the back, and were actually playing quite well. And so I think at the time, maybe ten minutes or so until half time. So would 
was it possible to go to half time and then make that change? Because if that change would have happened at half time, you would have taken the massive sting out of the reaction. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. It just wouldn't have been the same. It would have just been a tactical thing. And yeah, obviously people may have talked about it afterwards, but the actual, you know, the, the bomb wasn't dropped in the same way. Um, the reaction to the substitution, I think, put Bolton on the back foot. I think it was potentially avoidable, um, just in terms of tying in. Obviously, the goal was avoidable. It was it was powder puff defending again. So it was um, it was an interesting one. I, I mean, you know, he never came out and defended himself. He, he explained what his thinking was, and I, I understand from his point of view that having that base at the back to build from is as important as you know, what's at the end of it sometimes. Uh, having Not altering the complete system to just just ask a little bit more of maybe a couple of the midfielders or, or Bodvarsen up front is probably the better of, lesser of two evils, really. Um, so I kind of understand it. And obviously Forrester came on. Forrester played well as well, second half, I might add. And, and it's going to stand him in good stead for, for this weekend. I assume he'll just stick the same same change and the, and the change will... Uh, be, be quite straightforward but yeah it, it was just sometimes it's um it's psychology isn't it and that's that's kind of what dropped a little bit as soon as that substitution was made and it and it got the decibels that we'd only really seen before do you remember when Gary Megson swapped Ivan Klasnich for Gavin McCann in a game against Hull City it was I think Sorry. it was his last game yeah <laughs> should it if uh if Bolton had the um if Bolton uh, had, uh, it was uh, Christmas Carol and had three ghosts. I think Gary Megson would be the ghost of Christmas past. Yes. Oh, that would be brilliant. In fact, you've just given me a, a great idea. <laughs> Give me a great idea. Yes, my one a year. It's coming. It's coming December. I'm sure people of a certain generation might argue that Phil Neal is the the ghost of Christmas past, but for mine, it's definitely Gary Megson. <laughs> he would make a great Jacob Marley, I have to say. Uh, Gary uh, Gary Megson. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, enough about him. Um, yeah, the last time I heard a noise like that for a substitution was definitely back then, and that that did for Mego. It was, it was just frustration. I think most people will understand the 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 overall reason for it, but I think the timing of it, I just maybe would have been tempted to to limp on with four at the back until half time, and then you would have taken all the sting out of it. Yeah. It- you, you knew it was coming. When he, Santa's got sent off and you could see Forrester warming up, you knew it was coming. And uh, for, I was sat with my dad and uh, I just assumed it was going to be Bod Varson. And mm. just before he made the change, I actually said to him, I said, you know what, it could be Charles here because Bud Varson may be a better option to hold the ball up. I, it's That was why. I, yeah. yeah, I felt that you a, a Char, Dion Charles, I, I don't know, a Dion Charles for me would have... Um, he would have got the ball and he would have he's a pest isn't he you know mm. like he's it he, i i just felt that their they you know their back line were quite comfortable just hit, you know any balls that came up to him clearing them away and i think if you get it to feet dion he can win fouls in a better way than bodvars and he can so that was my thought obviously maybe Everts looking at it and going well i don't want him to run himself into the ground bodvars can hold the ball up if you you know bodvars and then we've not really got another Dion Charles on the bench. Whereas if Bodvarsson, you can still go light for light with Adibiejo. So yeah, I, I could see it, but 
uh, you know, I was like everyone. I, I mean, I didn't boo. I think everyone's frustrated. But I, I would, you know, you got to remember that it's, we're not bottom of the league. Ian Everett has made good decisions, you know, like, and if we'd have got an equaliser, then it would have been a good decision again. But um, so I, I think booing was a bit much. But um, it, it was just, I think the dynamic of the game as well is if you, you know, like Phil Brown said, that just after the sending off, Bristol Rovers didn't come out and, you know, we weren't under the cost. We, mm. I thought we were on the attack. They were still doing what they were doing. They were still sat back, still making it awkward, still wasting time. You know, you then changed the back. Obviously, it was uh, Dacus Cogley's, he was partly at fault for the goal. Mm. And I wonder whether it was the, just the confusion of where everyone were that mm. helped that. I, I don't know. It's, yeah, there's hindsight's great and in hindsight you could say well should he have changed it at half time how would how would the reaction have been at half time if if Bolton had carried on and been on the attack to half time and maybe didn't get a goal and 1-0 down and then we come out for the second half and Dion's been taken off how would the reaction amongst the fans have been then would it have killed momentum there's all these questions but at the end of the day we lost the game it was a dog's dinner (laughs) yeah it was but but I left the ground thinking it wasn't, but I was worried at one point that it would be um, a four-nil. You know, like I, I just felt that Bristol Rovers were just hitting us on the the break. Mm. Um, but we we ended the game quite well. We to only lose two-one. It it wasn't as bad as what some people say. But it, again, when you're wanting to get promoted, you can't really afford defeat. So a one-nil is as bad as a four-nil. Cheer me up. Bring me another headline. Well, it's about Rico Santos. And no, good. And Geffen Jones believes <laughs> that uh, he'll come back brand new, a brand new player. There's some confusion online this week. Has he got a one-match ban or a three-match ban, do you know? One match, one match. It's a professional foul, so you only get one match for a professional foul. Gives him a few days to reflect upon potentially reflect upon a dip in form. And that's the the point that Gethin Jones made to me when we, we spoke to him at the, the hospital the other day. He um, he obviously had his time out. He had his red card against Peterborough. And at that point in time, he was struggling for a bit of form. And he kind of went back to basics, went back to the training ground, got his head on straight and came back. And I think he's been much, much better since. So I think Gethin seem to suggest that the Ricardo Santos could do the same thing and use it to his advantage. Some very, very lazy stuff about uh, about Santos, you know, having Christmas off and all that sort of nonsense. Newsflash, you still train. Newsflash, you still have to turn up at games. Um, and by the way, he was also, he was on a sponsor's due with uh, uh, Luke Matheson and... Oh, another. There was another player as well who was uh, doing a, a sponsors thing with the with the hospital um, visits and hospice visits. A few people have noticed that Ricardo Santos wasn't on there. He was doing a sponsors gig at the same time. So, yes, all the players were on duty at uh, at the time. Um, just to eliminate the last vestiges of conspiracy, um, if I can. But look. As Ian Everett said after the game, he knows he knows he did bad. He knows that's not good enough. And, you know, you'd like to think there would be a, a big, big, big improvement when he comes back. Yeah, I put it down to the football focus curse. Apparently this is a thing that if you featured <laughs> on football focus, you lose. And Everett and Santos were uh, on Saturday. So uh, I've been on football focus, though. 
well, did <laughs> when's you my form going to pick up? <laughs> yeah. We need to do a seance for you, Mark. I had a weird, I had a weird one with Football Focus. Uh, I got a phone call from Football Focus when all the troubles were happening um, at Bolton, um, he shall not be named, etc. And one of the producers phoned up and said, uh, "Listen, we'd like to come and film in your back garden, if possible." And I had some building work in my back garden at the time. I said, "There's no way that's going to work." Uh, and she said, "Oh right, okay." I said, "We can just come in my like front room or whatever." And it's like, "No, no, we don't. We want to do an exterior shot." He said, "Have you got any parks nearby?" So I ended up having to walk up to my local park to meet all this camera crew from Football Focus. And I've got people walking past, like mums and dads that I know from my kid's primary school, like, is he being interviewed in the middle of Astley Park? What's going on? <laughs> so like some strange, like, vignette that they would do. I have no idea why they wanted grass or, or foliage in the background. Um, but yeah, that was my Football Focus moment. Wow. Um, <laughs> it, you know, you've waited all your life football focus and then they take you to your local park exactly and you've got swings and roundabouts in the background oh, i suppose that could have been symbolic who knows but hey <laughs> give me another headline yeah. <laughs> um luke matheson and connor carter this was a nice one they've signed new contracts and i think a few play a few people were not so much matheson but connor carter kind of wondering what's going to happen um <clears throat> you know because we've seen this before where a, a promising striker it doesn't, you know, they don't quite work out at Bolton, but it looks like with them two signing new deals at the club, that uh, they're definitely in the future plans. Yeah, definitely. I think with Matheson, he's already had his little taste of first team football this season. I think he's right on the fringe there. As he, I think he still needs a little bit of time, maybe to build himself up, make sure those injuries are out of his system, and to build himself physically. But he's 21; he's got loads of time ahead of him. Um, with Carty. Had a good spell over in Ireland. Really interested to see what they do next with him because they're looking at loan clubs and which ones would be suitable for him. I hope it's closer to home so we can really keep an eye on how he's doing, whether that be National League or League Two, something like that. Certainly seems to have the tools to be able to play first-team football. Um I think with both of them, the pressure isn't necessarily on, oh, you're going to be the next big thing in the first team. Both of them might be. Both of them might make that jump. But the, the, the pressure for me is for Bolton Wanderers to make sure that they don't leave this club as a, a do you remember that youth teamer type of thing? You know, the, you know, the guy that never quite made it. There's been too many of those. There's been too many of those promising players who had a little dabble in the first team and just got released. And I, I, I said time and time again that Bolton need to be better at promoting from within and, and getting players through. But they're kind of like one in a hundred, the, the ones that stick in the first team. What you've got to be better at is the one in 25 that have a professional career and that you can sell to a different club, lower down if needs be, but sell on and you know reap back in the future via contract clauses and all that sort of stuff or transfer fees. And that's how you make your money. That's how you kind of feather your nest. And that's how the B team becomes worthwhile. You're not going, every person in the B team is not going to go and play 200 games for Bolton Wanderers. That's not going to be possible. But a good percentage of them might go on and have a good professional career and then turn around and say, hey, thanks to Bolton Wanderers, I manage that and essentially earn us a bit of money down the line as well. Yeah, well, I mean, the problem we've had with recording next week's episode 
before this week's is that I do talk about Matheson in that one. So I won't talk. I'll, I'll save that. <laughs> save uh, the gold. That's a little, yeah, save the gold. That's the tease for that one to listen to that one. In case, I mean, people might be listening going, well, Henry, I don't care what you've got to say. About anything. <laughs> I, I only listen for Mark Isles, which is true. But uh, yeah, very, just a tease for that one. So I'll talk about Carty instead. And um, yeah, I think it's, Listening to him speak in his interview with the club, and I've got to say, Matheson spoke very well as well, actually, because mm. uh, it was good to hear them both. But uh, listening to Carty, you know, I think they, it's quite clear that they're looking at next year. Mm. And he, they'll probably, he's done very well on his loan in Ireland, but they'll probably look and go, right, okay, we want to see him League Two or bottom end of League One, and then see how he does. If he scores a few goals, and in an ideal world, he goes, signs for a club, and then you get the their fans on the bandwagon of oh let's sign him permanently and he, he never does and he just start, keeps stays at Bolton mm. but um, you know I, I think that'll be if, if he can have a good end to the year and then because it must be difficult we've discussed on this podcast that is he a direct is he the replacement for Charles do you know if um, because we've got plenty of replacements for Odvars and Arabi Asia on the bench but I don't really see one for Charles mm. so would Carty be that guy but you know it's very difficult to come in halfway through a season when you know and then you've got to re you've got to learn to play with these players again you've got to learn the system again mm. so um it does make probably sense if they see him long term and it makes sense for him to be on loan and i uh, hope he does and it'd be nice to because even though we kept him in touch with the irish league it's very difficult to to know what's going on really um so if he is in league one or league two it'd be a lot easier He's, you know, he's under our radar a little bit, and uh, and yeah, it'd be. Um, I'm looking forward to see how he does, and and then looking forward to next year with him. Yeah, I think Carty was sent away to St Patrick's with a view to improving that work off the ball that Dion Charles excels at, and I think they've got the idea that he has got a really good finishing uh, skills. You know, he's, he comes alive around the penalty box. He seems to be that type of player, but he does need to work in his out-of-possession stuff. And that's where, apparently, he's shown the most improvement. He still needs to do that now at probably a higher level. And that's what this next loan will be about. Um, But, yeah, Bolton are are taking him very, very seriously, and that's good to see. Another headline, if you will. Well, um, Bolton have done this before, and it's it's worked. I don't think it worked on Saturday with the referee's (laughs) performance in part times. But... um, Bolton have been complaining to the referees, uh, the PGMOL, is it? Or the league or whoever did the moaning. Yeah. Um, about the, some of the referees' performances. Um, I didn't realise this, but we've had the most fouls in League One. So mm. do, does Ian ever have a point with this? Or is he just, has he actually just denied people? I think the, the majority of it was, was focused on the Pompey game, the Portsmouth game, there were a few decisions in there that, that Bolton felt aggrieved with. So they put together one of these little video packages and sent it off to the head of referees, Mike Jones, uh, EFL's head of referees. And more often than not, you know, they get this feedback and, and referees will come back and say, yeah, you're quite right, you know, the X, Y and Z. And I think it's it's more of a sounding board than anything else. I don't think any any 
direct difference will be, you know, the referees will be gathered together and like, listen, you need to sharpen up against Bolton because it hasn't been good enough. I think it's just a visible thing. It's 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 Bolton being seen to take some sort of proactive action when they feel they've been aggrieved, and also keeping that dialogue with the referees as well because. Look, they're allowed to make mistakes. That will happen. It's not going to change. Nothing can be changed in the way a referee will head out on Saturday to, to make them, you know, to, to improve them unless they're going to turn them full time, which is not going to happen um, at this at this moment in time. Unfortunately, you know, that's the way that is, it is for League One and League Two teams at the minute. And for League One and League Two referees, as good as they are, um, they're, they're not allowed to, to focus on their job 100% um, and and that will inevitably mean that they, they, they're not as good as they potentially could be. That's just the way it is. Um, I, you know, we've seen some good ones, we've seen some bad ones. I'm, I'm all for rating a referee and saying, hey, listen, this was good, this was bad and and maybe having a moan on the day but let's not try and think there's some sort of conspiracy here. There isn't. Um, they're just guys turning out doing a job and then going back home that's the way it is well yeah and that's the the problem and um yeah it's it, it seems to be a reoccurring thing and and to, to be fair you know one of my mates is a norwich fan and he says the referees are, are bad in the championship and i said well don't get relegated then because they get worse <laughs> but um it's, know, it's not it's not it's not worse you know it, if you if if you're playing for a semi-professional club and you come up against a professional club, there are going to be things that you can do that are on par with that club, but there are lots of things that won't be. That's just the bottom line. If if you're given all that time to focus on being a referee and you know getting your fitness or anything else like that up, then there's going to be flaws in your game if you're not doing it full time. That's just the way it is. Yeah, no, and um, it's. I, Referees poor at every level, um, mm. and every referees good at every level. And obviously, refereeing doesn't get a good refereeing doesn't get in the Premier League. It, you, there's a million cameras, and good refereeing mm. doesn't get noticed. So in our level, where there's only a couple, if that, then he's not going to be noticed. You know, you're always going to. And to be fair, you know, I try and be open-minded with refereeing. I, I know it's easy to be very partisan towards Bolton and. Um, but I do think this season, I think Ian Everett's got a point. I think that, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's the way, I can't imagine it's the way we play. We, we're a very possession-heavy team. So you'd imagine we'd have the most fouls against us. Not They're not. They're about seventh, seventh or eighth or something, Bolton, uh, against. Yeah. Pompey at top. So, uh, yeah, well... Um, and and uh, that's, that's the dark arts. I, I think, you know, sometimes you could be good at finding fouls. I mean, I don't need to cite the example of Elad Stjof, but he was the best I have ever seen at winning free kicks. He had a way of just winning free kicks. Now, Dion Charles has got a little bit of that about him as well. I think he's good at doing that. He actually, this season, has, has actually made the most fouls. It's not George Thomason, as you probably expect at Bolton. Um, but Dion Charles has actually been... Uh, penalised more often than anybody else so I think it's something that Bolton potentially can get better at and Ian Everett talked about it I think it was last week where the, he said maybe the team is a bit naive and that there is still a streetwise nature to teams like Pompey you know teams like uh, even Bristol Rovers you know Sam Finlay who is a is a, a, a league one at best midfielder 
very decent, but he's good at what he does. He's like a, he's very much a Joey Barton signing. If if you don't mind me mentioning his name on this podcast, um, but yeah, the short one. Number six. Yes, he is. Yeah, the number six, Sam Finley. He used to play at Accrington Stanley, very much made from that cloth. You know exactly what I mean. So, yeah, that there's there's teams, and, and at this level, sometimes that will get you a couple of points because just having that way about you. Um, Bolton have never managed that, not once. No, uh, I think Thomason is kind of that player that that how you know that player. He'll put his body in. But, yeah, but there's still a naivety about him, and that's why mm. he's got whatever eight or nine bookings. Charles, yeah, can win a foul. I think he's very good at it, but also, he as with well as, as the stats prove, he does give a lot away. Um, yeah, it's just it's. But I think I I personally think that um, you know Everett does have a point with it. I think sometimes that I don't I don't know you know other teams are. You try and be good. You try and be on on the pitch. Mm. You try and be uh, ethically good, which is what the club are trying to do. But then it goes against you with that sort of thing. But at the same time, I think Bolton, you've, you've got to be smarter. And next year, if we're in the championship and we're struggling, you've suddenly you're turning into a Bristol Rovers rather than you can't really go. Not many teams go in and become a Leicester. Mm. I know Ipswich have done it, but like you, you suddenly your your budgets are different. You you. You're not going to have as much of the possession. You're going to be under the cost for a lot of the games. So you have to learn that. You have to be good at the dark arts. You have to do a bit of time wasting just to try and win those extra points. So you're going to have to become smarter at it or else uh, we might struggle next year. But, you know, for now, yeah, I think he's... I think I always think he's right when he goes to the referees because you've got to stand up for yourself sometimes and go... Hang on a minute, and if, and they'll go with proof as well. They'll go with yeah. certain. So yeah. No, he does. He does, and he does makes a good case. And there's n- nothing wrong with that. I, I think having a dialogue with the EFL referees is really important because you can air grievances off the record, and you can get feedback off the record as well. And, and quite a few times we've we've heard from Ian Everett that the referees said, "Yeah, that was you were right on that front, or you were right on that front." It's all after the event. It's never going to change anything. But I do think Bolton are a team of nice guys. Uh, you know, there's not there's not many uh, bleep houses in there, is there? Let's be honest. No, that is true. Uh, right, moving on to the final headline, and this is really annoying because Connor Bradley is wanted on loan <laughs> um, by a string of Championship clubs. Of course, let's be realistic; they're not going to send him to League One again. But he's also wanted on loan by Burnley, and with Trafford and Burn Bradley at Burnley, I don't want to like Burnley. <laughs> no one wants to like Burnley, but they're becoming very likeable, which is annoying. Yes, it'd be interesting to see if he ever got a recall, wouldn't it? Um, the Traff and Bradley partnership comes uh, comes back again. But by the sounds of things, there are a few clubs that have just asked Liverpool because obviously Bradley hasn't been involved because of injury. He damaged his back in pre-season. Um, so the Northern Ireland camp tell us it's because of the amount of football he played at Bolton last season, which as a young lad, I think he took on 60 plus games last season, a lot of work. Um, it will have aided him in many ways, but physically that has taken a toll and it's meant he's missed the first couple of months of the season, which is a shame because it looked as if he was going to go back and really 
you know, make a dent in the squad. Uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold was being kind of pushed around in, in midfield and so there was maybe a chance at right back for him. So um, I, I feel sorry for him. Um, we've seen him uh, start a couple of European games and he's been on the bench. He was on the bench against United last week as well. So hopefully he does get that chance. Personally speaking, I hope he stays at Liverpool, does not go out on loan anywhere and gets the Premier League exposure that he deserves. However... If Liverpool, and we said it earlier about Bolton, maybe thinking about things differently, if depending on the Christmas they have, if Liverpool lose a couple of games or if Liverpool feel there's a right back out there that might do them something in, in January, then who knows? Or if if they feel like Alexander Arnold is going to stay there at right back, then who knows? Maybe Bradley moves out and maybe he has to play in the championship and, and earn some more spurs. I mean, what do you think? Do you think Bradley would be ready for the Premier League going off last year? Because he's not played really in six months. So would it be better for him going to the Championship, having a good six months and then maybe getting that Premier League loan? Or, or do you think he can go straight into the Premier League? I think he could be a substitute and, and to gradually build his minutes that way. I think it's possible in, in the Liverpool team. I think he's that good. I don't think he needs to necessarily have another six months on loan anywhere. I don't think... You know, I think they they've seen enough in him already to have him involved in the first team, and that's what three four weeks back into the into fitness. Um, you know, he's played Northern Ireland, he's played plenty of high pressure games at Bolton. Now he's he's he's, he's got enough on his CV now to to be able to to make that. And if he doesn't, you know, if he if he gets if he plays for Liverpool and doesn't quite make it. He won't be the first, he won't be the last, Last, you know, then he's got that fallback to be able to go and play championship football or to play lower-end Premier League football, whatever he wants. He will have a great career, no question about it. Um, but I think to be an elite player, as you have to be to play for Liverpool, he needs to really be thrown in at this point in time. and Because... And, you know, at his age, and he's kind of 20 now, but he's coming on to 21 in January, you don't want to be 23, 24, 22, 23 by the time you're getting into Liverpool's team. That doesn't happen. You're either good enough or you're not. And they're very, very ruthless with that. They will chuck it out. I, I think even to the point where Trafford at City, you know, brilliant keeper, he's obviously good enough to play regularly for Burnley, but City were like, well, yeah, he's not going to displace Edison, so there's no point in us keeping around, we'll cash in. These are the ruthless decisions, and and that is a, a keeper that absolutely blitzed League One last season. So these are the decisions that these top top clubs make. They can't afford to be sentimental. They can't afford to keep people around for forever and a day, as as may have been in the case in the past. Um, I think at nineteen twenty, they are making a decision on you. Yeah, that's right, and I'm sure City have a, a giant, um, well, a giant sell-on fee, and also a oh, yeah. um, a, a minute. A, a minimised buyback fee on James Trafford, so don't be surprised if we see Trafford back at City at some point. No, I hope he does. Um, yeah, well, we hope him and Bradley grace the Champions League or the European Super League or whatever's next in their careers <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, and become the stars that we know they are. We owed it all to Bolton. <laughs> right, OK, let's move on. Who are you? Blink and you missed him. Who are you? Here today, gone tomorrow. Who are you? Blink, and you missed him. Who are you? Here today, gone tomorrow. Who are you? 
Yes, uh, this th we're, we're building up a bit of steam on this. I have to say, I'm getting more correspondence on who are you than anything else recently. Um, and uh, we're on to the letter I this week. So keep your emails coming. Next week, obviously, um, it's going to be J. So you might have to get a little bit creative. I certainly had to get a little bit creative with I because I had a couple of emails on I, uh, but I had to make up a third one. Um, but yes, next week, surnames, surnames beginning with J. Fascinating well, facts. Mark, you may have forgot that next week is <sighs> a Christmas-themed one. I did forget. I have done a Christmas-themed one, and I made that up myself. But let's look, for the first one of the new year, it's J. You've got plenty of time to think about it. I want fascinating facts, which are rated by the esteemed colleague, uh, Henry Hewitt, on the Josh Dakers Cogley scale. Um, he's been giving out some big marks recently, I have to say. I have, and I get a new Dakers Cogley scale for Christmas. I had to unwrap it to mm. use it uh, on next week's episode, and now it's gone back under the tree. To be fair, though, it it's, makes a world of di difference being digital, doesn't it? I mean, I'm never going back to analogue. Never going back to analogue. Yeah. Um, right, okay, so three um, three eyes. We're going to start with an eye that's not an eye. It's an Icelander. Um, Hel Heide Helgerson. Do you remember Heide Helgerson? I do, yeah. He, um, yeah, he came from <laughs> Fulham, did he? When he did Sammy Lee days? Uh, it was Sammy Lee days. It was Sammy Lee days, yeah. He was kind of unfairly possibly uh, thrown in as like kind of a replacement for Nicholas and Elka um, at, at some stages. <laughs> a little bit unfair, really. He was, he was knocking around. Um, but he had been, before that, uh, he was a Watford legend, no question about it. Um, they played at Fulham. He'd played at, uh, I think he played at QPR, but that might have been after Bolton. Um, but before he came to the UK, he played in Norway for Lillestrom and played top, top level top top level one of the weird things he did at Lillestrom was to wear the number one shirt as a centre forward which is quite bizarre you don't see that very often that isn't my my fascinating fact it's fascinating but it's not the fascinating fact um number two slightly fascinating fact he had his own fan club called the Helgesonsons <laughs> I like it um, now I'm not sure whether or not anybody in Bolton actually joined it. I'd love to know if you were one of the Helgesonsons. Please let me know because you'd you'd really have to be quite a stand to uh, <laughs> to, to be able to to find anything uh, positive to in his Bolton career to be able to join a fan club. I have to say. Um, so the third slightly fascinating fact about Heide Helgeson is he's now living back in Iceland. That's not especially great, but he's running a hotel. And he works on a fishing boat. He's basically just gone to be a fisherman. Oh, that's nice. That's it is, isn't it? It's very Icelandic. Yeah, just, you know, one with nature and, uh, do, yeah, fishing. Uh, yeah, I can I, see Bodvarsson like doing that, by the way. I can genuinely see Bodvarsson, yeah. like, sod the world. I'm just going to go and walk up volcanoes and just fish. Yeah, peace at mind. Yeah. Right, I feel. And I, I feel when you look at the Icelandic players that we've had they all have an element of calmness about it Arne Gunnlaugsson did he have calmness I'm not sure he knew Maybe. what calmness was no <laughs> no but the others have all had a bit of calmness about them so yeah <laughs> so give me a give me a Dakers Cogley um, we'll go in sevens that's quite interesting nice calm seven okay uh, the next I is Stephen Ireland do you remember Stephen Ireland <laughs> Dude, much calm about him <laughs> No, quite a character. Bolton legends. Bolton legend. I remember. I remember sat there in the uh, North Stand Lower watching his 
his um, you know his glory days mm. off the bolts and when we played City, but still I watched him. <laughs> played at City. He was an Ireland international. Played at Villa. Um, he was given a short-term contract with Bolton Wanderers. Never played a game ever. Um, I'm not sure Phil Parkinson, who was the manager at the time, actually gave him the contract at all. By the way, but he. I mean, I did speak to. He had a massive car. Oh, he had. It was like a like a bus that he, he put into the training ground. I did actually do an interview with him and. In fairness to Stephen Ireland, he came across extremely humble. He just wanted to work, just wanted to get his career back on on track. He, he spoke very sort of tamely compared to what you do see of him in in the press at times. Um, but the fascinating fact about Stephen Ireland, and I've read through a, a few bits and bobs that got sent to me. A lot of it is kind of uh, you know inflated stuff about him being better than Frank Lampard and better than. Steven Gerrard, I'm not sure that was taken in context, to be honest. But one one interesting thing came out uh, from an interview with the ex-Manchester United defender, Danny Simpson. And he said, apparently, that Stephen Ireland, when he was uh, out of contract, used to uh, ring round other Premier League players in uh, who were out of contract to organise secret five-a-side training sessions um, in his garden. So the likes of Danny Simpson, Danny Drinkwater, Jolian Lescott, Ned Monoa, Onoa rather, um, John O'Shea and Ravel Morrison used to nip round for a bit of dodgy five aside just to keep themselves in touch. I like that. I do like that. Um, yeah. Okay. I'll give that. I'll, I'll throw that in the sevens as well. Yeah, having a seven. I just. I'm just glad they didn't come up against me at Premier Fives. That really would have sucked if like, oh, oh hang on a minute, I recognise that guy in the Superman pants. What's what's that? What's going on here? Um, I tell you what, though, I, I have played in, in a pro, say professional league against uh, MUTV. We used to play in a media league at one of my former newspapers. Um, and we used to go into Manchester at Pitts in, in Ardwick. And uh, we used to play against teams from The Big Issue and MUTV um, and a few other newspapers as well. And the MUTV team always had an ex-United player in there, always. Oh, uh, they're getting there. That's, that's it. You, I mean, they've got a, a lot of ringers that they can... Unbelievable. Uh, unbelievable. Same as uh, there used to be a Granada TV team as well. I've played against Elton Wellesby. <laughs> <laughs> and Bolton fans would hope that you'd, uh, you'd have cropped him he played in goal he wouldn't come out of goal because I, I thought exactly the same thing uh, wouldn't come out of goal and he played in a toweling tracksuit it was uh, <laughs> it was ridiculous um, right you're giving me a 7 for that one anyway um, I digress uh, right the last one um, last but very not least uh, is Ivan Campo oh, do you remember him know. Henry <laughs> <laughs> He's all right. It just his name puts him at a seven. So anything yeah. of any interest is going to push him up. Obviously, a legend for Bolton. Uh, 141 league games, 11 goals. Uh, we, we all remember that one against Spurs. Um, I mean, just a great guy. Just a great guy. So influential at Wanderers. In fact, he had a, possession, a position named after him. Possession. Um, <laughs> he, had a, he had a position named after him. Um, he also, I mean, what they did with all the wigs in the club shop once he left, I have no idea. Waited yeah, for Mar uh, Marlon Fossey, potentially, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. They missed the trick, didn't they? They did, they did. Um, but what would I tell you... Let's start again. What would you say if I told you Ivan Campo played in Atherton a couple of weeks ago? 
Okay, pushing it up to a 7.5. So Ivan Campo officially played in Atherton a couple of weeks ago. Unfortunately, it wasn't the football player. It was the band. Um, the band Ivan Campo is an English folk rock trio of Adam Shaw, Ben Alpha and Will Rogers, who met at Union Preston. Um, they've got a new album coming out next year 2024 um, and they were doing a charity gig in my neck of the woods a few weeks ago they're not bad actually give them a list, listen on uh, on youtube they've they've got plenty of stuff out there they've released a few singles um but they decided to call themselves ivan campo i like that um i i did know that one actually but i've i've not heard the music but i will do um hopefully they've done some christmas covers and i'll put it on uh, on christmas day but um yeah, okay, we'll push that. That's going to go to an eight. That is the I winner for today. Mind. The winner. Is, yeah. I, Ivan Campo, take a bow. Right. If you want to get in touch or if you've got anybody uh, for the letter J in the new year, then this is how to do it. So you want to bring something up on the buff. Email Mark and Henry on the buff mail at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-B-U-F-F-M-A-I-L all one word at gmail.com and sorry to the male escort who probably getting some unsolicited Bolton Wanderers correspondence from the people who spell that incorrectly and talking about emails let's have some is that Philip Moresh? Yes, we've got a couple of emails to rattle through um, and a, a name that I think most Bolton fans will be familiar with as well. Uh, so this first one is from Emma Trickett Bell, nay Norris. Emma Norris, oh. formerly, formerly of uh, the Bolton Wanderers press team, of course. Um, and she's, she's spotted something which I think could have legs here. I think could have legs. So... Uh, hello, Mark and Harry. Hope you're both well. Uh, your favourite Wanderers press officer slash programme editor here. Ex-Wanderers press officer, I should say. Um, I've got a bit of a query that I think you might enjoy digging into. Last weekend against Bristol Rovers, we were forced to revert to the attacking, uh, attacking the North stand in the first half. Something that rarely happens, maybe once or twice a season at most. As a long-standing North stand lower season ticket holder, I absolutely love the second half of games when we're powering towards the NSL in search for a goal or two. There's just something about the atmosphere as well. I, I feel like it always goes up a notch and it's very much a staple of home games at the tough sheet. When I saw us being forced to switch ends before kickoff on Saturday, my heart genuinely sank a bit. It feels like I'm being thrown out of sync and take something away from the game. I'm sure many fans must feel the same, given the groan that went up around the stadium. I'm intrigued, however, as to whether this switching of ends from the norm has played its parts in results over recent years. I'll leave that one with you. Thanks for making the podcast and making my long journeys to London that bit easier by keeping me entertained. Well, we'll keep on making the podcast, Emma, but whether or not I can answer for definite whether switching sides has got anything to do with it, I don't know. But it's a very interesting theory. And also, it always feels like, oh, they're switching sides. That, that so rarely happens. It does. Um, I think you know what I, I. I see Emma every now and again uh, with her mum at the the match, and I think she's brought this up to me before. And uh, I actually agree with her. I think that I'm sure maybe BWFC stats will be able to help us out with it. But I'm sure that um, there was a, a, a period for a few years that every time, well, every time I saw them switch ends, they lost. Mm. And obviously, they lost on Saturday. And um, I'm sure there's something in it because. 
Yeah, I I totally agree with her. I think that it, it's it's just a bit crap when you know when they, <laughs> they in the second half, especially because it's very rare that the stand behind the the other goal is is full. So they're kind of attacking a a, a well a half empty stand, mm. um, and in most cases in League One, not even that. And it just yeah, I, I, it does it does knock everything out of sync. And I feel that um, I uh, there is that. Genuinely, I, I can I know what she on, she's on about with the um, your heart sinking because when it happened on Saturday, there was a part of me that was like, oh, I'll just go home now, then. You know, like you you, <laughs> you go up for the match. You're like, oh, this will be a good match. Can we get a win again? And then they swap ends. You're like, oh right, okay. Well, I've got to sit through ninety minutes of this now. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a good point. Maybe we can get some help on on it. But I I'm convinced that. Uh, we we do lose. I, I'm willing to put a bet on that we we do lose more than what we win. And I, I'm sure for a, a period of time, a few years ago, that we, yeah, we I'm sure we we lost. Um, we didn't win for a while doing it. Do you think Darren Prattley might realise that and get Leighton Orient switch ends if they win the toss at the weekend? He's done um, a few coin tosses. He he should really know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. Um, and he certainly lost a few chuffing games. Well, yeah, exactly. So uh, I've heard he does it in his spare time. Just, <laughs> that's what he does. He practices the coin toss. Um, I forgot Prattley's going to be playing on Saturday. Yeah, nice to yeah. welcome him back to the tough sheet. But um, yeah, hopefully, if if you are listening, Darren, do come on Christmas present to your old pals at Bolton. Don't switch ends. Prattley's a good lad, a great lad. In fact, I, he got a lot of stick at Bolton, but uh, you won't hear a bad word. Uh, from me about him okay talking about Leighton Orient and we're going to have a a little talk about Lincoln City as well time for some predictions pass us me crystal ball what's happening next week prediction time yes uh, we're going to throw in Lincoln City because it's Christmas I have no idea what day of the week uh, anything happens on anymore so I think by the time we next go our next episode is there. The, the Lincoln game will have happened. So um, let, let's just go for it. I'd, it's very much dependent on this Leighton Orient game. As you said before, it's a really important one to win. Because if you win that, then the wind gets back in the sails. Those two away games over Christmas don't look quite as bad. By the time you get back here for, for Burton, hopefully there should be some momentum. Um, but you lose that game and, and you really would be worried. Yeah, well, we said before it's a must-win game, and you you do lose it, and suddenly um, the the table's looking a not as good because we we're down to fifth. I don't, mm. you know, I, I know this is it is that when you're at the top of the league, you have to win every game, or else you, the table changes all the time. But I genuinely feel that I, I don't see, I don't know who they play the teams above us. So one of them. Would you like me to tell you? Because you've said that a few yeah. times. It's as if you're reaching out for a researcher to, to do some work, and that's that's fair enough. So we've got Derby County at home to Lincoln, um, so thereabouts. Portsmouth are at home to Fleetwood, so they're going to win that one, obviously. Uh, to, to do what we've got. Um, where's everybody else playing? Oh, Peterborough away at Shrewsbury. That's not a gimme. Not, but they did, a, they did us a right favour last weekend, didn't they? Yeah, that is true. That is true. Maybe we've expended them. And then Blackpool are at home to Bristol Rovers. Um, Barnsley at home to Stevenage. So only one okay. team can win there as well. So, I mean, you'd, you'd expect, certainly, you'd expect 
you'd expect Blackpool, you'd expect Portsmouth um, to, to win their games, really, and Derby as well, um, probably. Yeah, but Bristol Rovers will turn back into Bristol Rovers instead of <laughs> Barcelona. Yeah, um, absolutely. They seem to do for the rest of the season. But, um, yeah, well, I, yeah, I mean, if we, if we win, I don't think we'll be fifth on the end of the, mm. the day we might not be second but I don't think we'll be fifth but um, I think it's just that momentum and as you, this is it is that you can see there that a few of those teams it's not like you know sometimes you get a few teams playing each other and a few tough away games for other teams and you look and think right well if we beat Leighton Orient at home we could really make some ground mm. I, I think most of them will win but I don't see them all winning uh, so above us so yeah, you know, we can gain some ground and just go into Christmas on a high and, and then see where the, the away games do. Um, in terms of predictions, I think we'll we'll beat Leighton Orient. We'll be fine. I think we'll win 2-0. And Lincoln, you know what? We'll turn it around. We'll go to Lincoln, full away end, and we'll win 1-0. One 1-0 nil. One, one nil there before, of course. Um I'm not going to mention the goal scorer because he feels like a bit icky, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I've 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 got a good feeling about Saturday. I have to say, um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say two one win uh, for Bolton on Saturday. Make people feel a little bit better about everything. I I think Lincoln is a tricky one. I I do think it's a difficult place to play. They they are a good home team, Lincoln. Um, lovely people up there, but. I feel like that could could be on a shed. I think that could be a draw. Um, and Fleetwood isn't easy either beyond that, but we'll just concentrate on those two. I, I think I think it, the table will be roughly the same by the time we come back around for Fleetwood. I think Bolton will be there or thereabouts in the same sort of position. Um, but hopefully, if as long as they can keep the performances up, I mean, it's just about that little bit of momentum. Get get a win at Fleetwood. Get a win at Burton Albion, and, and start two thousand twenty four off in a in a positive frame of mind. Um, talking about the new year, let's just have a quick look ahead. We've got a big two part special coming out next week, so you know look look out for that. There's loads of thoughts on what might happen in the new year on that one, and everything that's happened in the last year as well. But I'm going to give you the opportunity to, to open your presents on Christmas morning. Um, one of these two things. So you can have three points against Wigan at Wigan. You can beat Luton and draw United at home in the next round. Or guarantee a playoff place. Which one do you pick? Um, I'd like to think we've we should be good enough to guarantee a playoff place without it being one of our, our presents. So I'll, I'll leave that one. That's the equivalent of getting socks, isn't it, I suppose? It's like you've got them anyway, but, you know, it's always nice to get new ones. If you asked me last year, I would have probably chose that one. But um, And then the other two. Um, it's a tough one because I'd, I'd love to play United at home. Um, I think it'd be a great occasion. Uh, we'll be definitely on telly. And we'll make the club some money at the end of January, which could help. But I'm, I'll be honest with you, I'm just sick of losing to Wigan. And hopefully <laughs> we get promoted. We won't have to play him for a few years. So I'd like to go into that period of not playing him for a few years on, a, on the back of a win at the, the DW. Um, I noticed they give United a full side stand. 
Mm. If uh, if you want to make some money, Wigan, maybe do that with Bolton, and then I'll get a, be able to get a ticket. That's a good point, uh, actually. I, I doubt they would do though, because they're basically just jocking that off, aren't they? Really? Yeah, and I, I think the policing bill would be very high. It were much higher than what it already is. Um, <laughs> so they probably will. And I don't think they'd want to. Do you remember a few years ago? Well, not a few. When was it? When we were in League One under Parky and Barry were on about giving us half the. Oh yeah, yeah. And the, yeah. Fan, the fans weren't happy. Um, <laughs> I think it would be the same if Wigan accepted defeat on that one and said, "Right, we'll give Bolton a, a full uh, West Stand or East Stand or whatever." But um, yeah, we'll go with a Wigan win. Um, what about you? What what as a? I know you're looking at it with different eyes than me. What would you like to? What would you like to report on a, a Bolton win at Wigan, another playoff campaign, or a Bolton v United FA Cup match? I'm going to go for the United FA Cup match. No, Wigan, Wigan don't matter too much to me, I have to say. I don't think they're going to matter too much to, to Bolton in general for a bit. So I think I'm going to go with the United one. I'd, I'd like to go and beat Luton and then get a big moneymaker in the next round. Because I think that televised tie could well... I mean, that, that could pay a few pay a few decent bills. You know, that's, that's a really big game. And then... Um, you know, the idea of having a chance to beat Manchester United. Notice I haven't actually said what the outcome of that game could be because you could go and beat, you could beat United at home. Who knows? It'd be lovely. Well, imagine that. Imagine being able to write that story. That would be absolutely fantastic. Um, Wigan's Wigan. I might take the night off anyway and just give that game to Dan. That's how little I care about that game. <laughs> um, but I do care about this Saturday's game Leighton Orient another big day community uh, day as well so it's going to be a big crowd remember it's uh, £10 for adult tickets £5 for concessions as well so if you fancy getting away from the Christmas shopping um, and you are registered to do so then do to rock up and, and watch a bit of football hopefully we see Wanderers. We, we see the, the proper Wanderers turn up, not this fake Wanderers that's turned up for one and a half of the last two games. Yeah, like the a Dorking Wanderers. Fake Wanderers. <laughs> Dorking um, Wanderers. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, um, yeah, they've got to turn it around. I, I, I like that it's been quiet. You know, hopefully they've been on the training ground and just knuckled down and hmm. turn it around because... I think they ended the the game strongly on Saturday. They so, did. You know, yeah, they're going into the game with that. Um, yeah, I think we'll be. I think we'll win. I think we'll be fine. I think Leighton Orient are uh, a team that are, they're just adjusting to League One. They, you know, they're not. I don't think they'll go down, but they, they're just adjusting, so they're there for the taking. Yeah, absolutely, and the type of opposition as well that that they, Richie Wellens is is a footballing coach. He's not going to make them play kind of long ball or, or the kind of direct football that maybe you'd say that Bolton struggle a bit against. They're, they're a decent footballing team, Leighton Orient. So it is theoretically on paper, as we said with Mr. Rovers, a game that Bolton should enjoy playing in. But we shall see. Um, right, uh, this has been the last regular episode of the Buff for this uh, year we're going to have a two-parter next week which is going to review the whole of 2023 i'm going to try and throw in reactions and reviews of the games as they come as well just my own little two pennethworth uh, we're giving henry a week off to sort out um well i mean sort out the farm by the sounds of things but uh you know he's he's got lots on his plate he's gonna have another week off uh, so we can go touring around the world in a hot air balloon or whatever he chooses to do with his time um but yeah i mean it's been a blast hasn't it 2023 henry 
It has, and I will point out that with the in-laws uh, owning and running a farm on Christmas Day, I will literally have a lot on my plate. <laughs> um, but uh, do they have turkeys, by the way? Uh, no, they don't. They don't actually have turkeys. Um, they have reindeer. We're not eating reindeer. Just like, <laughs> it, it is. It's a well-known farm that is on the telly. So I need to point out we are not eating reindeer because that won't go down well. But uh, we do have reindeer. So I've had reindeer. Um, it's quite nice. Ah, okay. Well, we won't be eating. Uh, uh, I can't remember what they called the reindeers at the farm, but um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to Christmas. It's been a, a good year with uh, with you doing this. It's been a good mm -hmm. year for Bolton. So uh, hopefully, you know, we can we can have a a great 2024, um, which includes a promotion and another trip to Wembley. Not in the playoffs, but um, but in the Bristol Street Motors Trophy. Um, are you? I know we we kind of covered this next week, but are you looking forward to twenty twenty four? Are you looking forward to the Christmas period? Because I guess like footballers, you still have to work. Uh, yeah, it's just it, it's just work. I, I I keep on seeing people tweeting about oh this is my last day. This and my 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 boys going to college and school. Like I've got one more lesson left. I've got one more day left. It, and my wife is a teacher. She's been counting down for the last God knows how long. It's like this is the last day today as we're sat here that she'll be at work and then you know. But I just soldier on. Don't matter. It's I mean, I'm either at work or asleep. They're the only two states of existence for me. I'm afraid. Um, but yeah, it's fun though. Chris, there's always something different about Christmas football. There's always something different. It's always a better atmosphere. Uh, very occasionally we get uh, a mince pie in the press room as well. So who knows? Who knows what the future might hold? But fingers crossed. More importantly, for success on the pitch uh, for Wanderers this season, I would. Snap your hand off now for second place and uh, another day out at Wembley in the in the Bristol Street tro Trophy Motors Trophy Trophy. Um, I still can't say that. I can't say it. I can't say it. it's impossible. Um, so yes, uh, I would. I'd be more than happy. What I'm what I'm really wondering is that last year when we did the Papa John's, uh, they actually gave us some pizza at half time. Will we get a car at half time? <laughs> yeah, just you can have a car. You can have a car. It'd be great, um, but um, I, I doubt that will happen. Um, I digress. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, thank you very much for being with us um, all year round. Sending emails in, saying hello in the street, uh, tweeting us, especially Henry, who really does appreciate the tweets. Um, so please continue to tweet him twenty four seven about any mistakes he may have made in this week's podcast, or indeed any podcast during the year. Um, but during twenty twenty three, I have been Mark Isles, and so far this year, I've been Henry Hewitt. And this has been The Buff.